Here is one of a series of talks by spiritual leader Lola McDowell Lee, spanning two decades from the early 70s through the 90s. Lola was a Zen Roshi, whose Rinzai lineage included Dr. Henry Platov and renowned Zen master Shigetsu Sasaki. Lola was a religious scholar as well as an ordained Christian minister. While the talks are focused mainly on Zen and Buddhism, Lola drew on many spiritual traditions, including those of Jesus, Plato, Lao Tzu, the Hindu Vedas, Meister Eckhart, and Gurdjieff. The New Testament, you know, was written in Aramaic. Hmm? The, uh, the word sin in the Aramaic and in the Old Testament, you know, it simply meant to miss the mark. There was no sense of guilt implied in it. Just to miss the mark. You've gone astray. You know, like you're shooting an arrow, you missed the mark. So religion then means to come back to the beginning. The word religiere, you know, in Latin means to turn back. So you go back uh, to where you missed the first step, uh, maybe, and you begin to go in a right direction. The religion is the, re is the turning back to the source. The religion is the means to finding this freedom or this kingdom or the moksha or however you want to call it. Now, politics, psychology, culture, education, they serve society. Now, people have also made of religion a social trick. True religion of the heart, huh? Don't miss the mark. Which means, be very careful of the images you hold. You know, how you think about religion. Be cautious of what you believe. Check always to see if it's as valid as possible. That you are moving in the right direction. And if you think you're not, begin at the beginning, so-called beginning. If you can find a beginning in you. <laughs> you know, we're told that Jesus was not considered to be a very respectable man, you know, in society. He was a wanderer and he preached a kind of a rebellion. He wouldn't listen to society, he wouldn't become adjusted to society. <coughs> But he came with a message, you know, and he knew all the while, you know, what he was about. He wanted to give this particular message. How to be in a crowd, how to be in society, and yet be free. And this is the question for every religious person, huh? How to be in all of this and yet to know the other. Well, it's 
Some people say it's impossible. That you've got to go be by yourself somewhere before you can find it. Everywhere you go, everywhere you look, there's society. This pattern, huh? Even if you went into an ashram, there are others, and immediately you've got a kind of a society. It's a pattern. Hmm? They've got rules and regulations so that you will adjust, you know, to the particular pattern that is set up there. If you move to the mountains to be alone, you're going to start making friends with the birds, and you're going to talk to the wild animals, and, you know, the birds are going to come to be fed because you'll start feeding them, and sooner or later you will have a family. And you wait every day for certain birds to come. They come in the morning, and you feed them. And they come again in the evening, and you feed them. Uh, and if the bird doesn't come, anxiety, what happened to the birds? Uh, that's how we are. So let's understand this. Society is not outside of you. If you go to the mountains, society will go also. It comes with you. And it isn't that society follows you up there. We don't all run after you if you're going up a mountain. Huh? It's the contents of the psyche. Yeah. Society. Yeah. You create your own society around you. Unless there is a transformation, hmm? you do not go beyond this society. You do not go beyond this crowd. You do not go beyond your own creation, the contents of the psyche. And all societies, you see, are the same. A little bit different in the pattern, a little bit different in the contents. Forms may be a little different, but the basic pattern is the same. You know, there have been a few teachers who wouldn't allow any societies to form around them. And there have even been a couple who went so far as to the students didn't even know each other. That might not be a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, being human beings, you know, I started out with, uh, we have our, we, our feelings and our needs. And we feel a need to be needed. Nobody needs me. Nobody needs you. Your life suddenly becomes meaningless in a way. Huh? You feel kind of useless. Yeah? If somebody needs you, they he, that person gives you significance. That person makes you feel important. I'm needed. Hmm? Yeah. I have to look after my family. That makes me important. Hmm? No, in a manner of speaking, you know, it's, it's, let's, you know. When no one needs you, all of a sudden you seem to shrink. Hmm? When somebody needs you, you blossom out. 
know, and, and if nobody needs me, whether I am around or whether I'm not around, it doesn't make any difference. So what am I doing here? Well, what are you doing here? Somebody must need me. Somebody in this society must need me. Even if somebody fights with you. Well, finally, that's okay, too, you know. It's better than being alone, you know. At least the enemy is paying some, enemy, enemy is paying some attention to you, huh? And you can think about him. And if you can think about him, then you are not alone. So now how are you going to be solitary? Hmm? And when you're in love, some of you are there, and some of you have been there, and some of you will be there. <laughs> huh? I think by now we've all experienced what it is to be in love. Huh? And people say to each other, I love you. Yeah? And uh, we could look at the other side of the coin, which simply is, I want to be loved. A reciprocity, huh? And, as, uh, you know, if we don't recognize this, then on the heels of this comes, you don't love me enough. Huh? Whatever somebody does for you, let's say you, I don't mean anybody here, but uh, it's, it's never sufficient. <laughs> Something more is possible. Something more has got to be possible, huh? So you always hope for more. You always imagine more. And no matter what they do, it's they give me a little bit more. Hmm? You know, and I love, but the other isn't responding very well. Huh? What's the matter here? You know. Which side of the coin is most important to you? Hmm? To be loved or to love? Supposing now that you had gone through a transformation and you knew what it was to be a solitary. Then you can know love as something other than just a need or an urge. When you know the ground of being, you know your own roots, then you can love. And the need to be needed is gone. It's just love. It's just what it is that really has no label. Hmm? But you know, our eyes go out and our ears go out and our senses all go out, our smelling goes out, you know, and we look at each other and we listen to the other. Who reaches to himself in that? Always to the other. What about what's in here? You go past the contents of the psyche. You know, in, in, in the Greek language, they have several words for the word love. You know, they have the word eros, which we have also adopted. It's a, it's a physical kind of a love. So it includes sex. That's eros. Nothing wrong with it, huh? And then there is philios which is a brotherly kind of a love. So we have the city of Philadelphia, huh? The city of brotherly love, philios. Huh? And then there is the word agape, which is called by some the compassion. 
we could say too, you know, in St. Paul, faith, hope, and charity. You know, they had agape in there and didn't know what to do with it. And so there's eris. Well, they have used that word love for that, so you can't use it again. So they came up with finally charity. Faith, hope, and compassion. Huh? And this compassion, this charity, is a state of consciousness. Huh? It's not something you're just projecting out of the psyche. Now, Jesus said, in, according to this Gospel of St. Thomas, you know, blessed are the solitary and elect, for you shall find the kingdom, because you come from it, and you shall go there again. Of course, everybody has. Everybody came from it. Everybody's going to it again. But, you know, the point is to know where you have come from and to know where you are going. To know whence you have come from, you know? To know this ground in which you live. And then it is the elect in the kingdom, not of the kingdom. It's in the kingdom. So what is this solitary in you? you look at it huh it's not missing from you you know it's interesting and a man goes into a restaurant <coughs> uh, or he goes into a waiting room or he goes into you know he walks in a hotel or a restaurant you know whatever this goes for women too after all they're equal <laughs> that in there, huh? comes the eye searching thing the eye meeting huh yeah uh, and uh, then uh, once in a while somebody looks twice you know a couple of times you know huh? it's it's an invitation once that's nothing but hmm? <laughs> the looking twice you know the wanting to be appreciated the wanting to be looked at uh, what are called today womanizers. And they know this very well, this trick. You know, they've known it for centuries. Yeah. A little hint. Huh? Whenever the other looks at you uh, with his eye searching, you know, and more than once, what happens? You become important. Hmm? In that moment, you're unique. Hmm. So it gives you a kind of a radiance, you know, it gives you a, a kind of a vitality. And you say to yourself, oh, I could have a relationship with that one. He's so great. <laughs> huh? Part of the problem, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, then so this I meeting becomes a little more and a little more and a little more. And so the same man and woman, you know, they look at each other every day, every day, every day, every day. What new meaning do you get from the same eyes? Mm. <laughs> mm. So for some <clears throat> men and women, we, we have the word Don Juan, you know, but there must be a word for that for women because they do the same thing, you know. They move from one to the other to the other to the other. It's not a sexual need. 
It's an ego need. Hmm. You know, it's um, <clears throat> our monk, you know, and his wife. He had a wife at one time. And at this time, at this day, they're celebrating their 25th wedding anniversary. And he's about to leave. And so she gets a little provoked and she's a little peeved. She was expecting that he would do something, you know, for this 25th wedding anniversary. And he's just doing things in a very routine manner. So finally, you know, she can't stand it any longer. And she says, Monk, have you forgotten what day this is? And he says, no, I know what day it is. Then do something unusual. <laughs> you know? And the monk thought for a moment and said, well, yeah, okay, how about two minutes of silence? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, to be free, to enter the kingdom is to use those words. Only nobodies enter. Only those who have attained the solitary. Hmm? Only those whose boats are empty. Hmm? Who have come to understand through experience that their ego needs are not so important. Hmm? That through a very diligent perseverance, They have penetrated themselves to the solitary, to the alone. It's right there. Hmm? So who is a solitary? We also find in the Bible a little phrase that another teacher used to use frequently. Come ye out from among them, and be ye therefore separate. Now, that doesn't mean to go and run away. It means to become a solitary. What in you can be solitary without being lonely? Hmm? Have you glimpsed it? Some of you have. It is a very special kind of solitariness. You know, it's like as if you, you stand and you look at a garden... And you look at the trees in the garden, and suddenly there is this solitary that is looking, that is observing, and the whole world is transformed. And this state is is the solitary, then, of the elect. You know, and it is a strange thing in families. <clears throat> uh, they, they go along for a while, and all of a sudden, uh, one member of the family begins to show some signs of uh, going toward a religion. If the husband, let us say, starts moving in a direction, he, I'm going to learn how to meditate. The wife is very disturbed. Huh? And if the, the, the wife starts running off after a different religion... Uh, you know, rather serious, where she where she can learn, also learn to meditate, you know. Uh, the husband feels very disturbed. Why? Why? Oh, it is an unconscious fear, but they evidence it, you know. 
they are, they will say, you know, well, if, if they go into the religion, uh, it will break up our marriage. If they, you go into the religion, uh, you're moving away from me. We will no longer have the same kind of relationship. They don't think, you know, it could be an improved relationship. Huh? But there is this unconscious fear that they're going to lose something. And sometimes it isn't even put into words. But they do know somehow within them that should that solitary rise, when that solitary rises, that other one, that husband or that wife, will no longer need me. Then what shall I do? So I mustn't let him or her get into this thing. The solitary is sufficient unto itself. It doesn't have a need. A solitary can sit under a tree and become totally awakened. And to those who want the world, who, who say they need the world, they need, this, they need the crowd, you know, they'll be thrown again and again and again into the crowd because that is their demand. That is their desire. You know, let's also realize that what you are right this minute is the fulfillment of your past desires. Don't blame it on the world. You are what you have been wanting. And of course, at this moment, you are what you have been wanting, but immediately you want something different. Huh? Well, are you happy where you are? Think before you desire something. There is a possibility that it will be fulfilled. So you begin to, if you desire, you desire with full awareness. Try it. <laughs> yeah. Sometime or another, what you want will come to pass. It may take a little more time for some things than it does for other things, you know, and sometimes it takes long enough that, you know, you feel like you're maybe you're standing in line waiting your turn, you know, as if a lot of other people want the same thing and there's this long queue standing in front of you, so it takes a little while to get to the gate. But if it's to the gate that you want, it'll come. Before you desire... Think. Before you demand something, think. Now, the solitary. What in all of this world does it demand? What has it chosen as a desire? Hmm? It has chosen its own being. When you choose such a thing as to know your own being, you have chosen also the being of the whole universe. Because your beingness and the beingness of the universe are not two. <laughs> huh? When you choose being, you know, you choose God. As it is, and not your image of it. Huh? And when you choose God, God chooses you, and there is the elect. Hmm? 
Beingness is a unity. It's a wholeness. It's a freedom. And the beginning and the end are nowhere. Alpha and Omega are one. Solitary isn't like a nice horizontal line going from here to there. A line has a beginning and an end. And it never meets beginning and end. You know, in Egypt and in the Orient, they, they have this symbol, you know, of the snake biting its own tail. You know, that's a symbol of rebirth. You have come to the beginningless beginning and the endless end. Huh? You have reached from whence you have come. And having reached from when, whence you have come, you now know where you are going. <laughs> you know, it's like, the, the, you know, the disciples asked Jesus, you know, will you tell us, please, what is the end? What's the end going to be like? You know, and he says, do you know the beginning that you worry about an end? The beginning is what's important. The beginningless beginning. Huh? And he said, from whence have you originated? From whence have you originated? You know, it's the Zen Koan. Before your mother and father, what was your original face? From whence have you originated? Huh? The light originated in itself. Have you ever thought... When you look at a picture of Jesus, and you think about it, he's always depicted as being so sad. Huh? That's as if that man never knew how to laugh in these pictures. Jack has a joke about that. I won't tell that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but you know... This man, knowing, I mean, the knowing without the thinking, knowing, which we call the noetic power, the noesis, huh? Knowing. He must have been laughter. He must have been humor. Whether we heard it or not, that's not the point. He must have been a laughing, bubbling spring. You know, he said, I give you living water. with it, you know, are pictures of him. So sad, suffering, huh? Just to be in his company, you know, would be a burden. Huh? So heavy, this sadness. How would you like to spend 24 hours with that man? With that heaviness? Huh? All alone. Huh? So a lot of people say, no, 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 no. Sunday morning in a bright sunshine in church, that's enough. But how about if you could see him as he really is? Not the man, but the Christ, huh? And you know, the cross is the symbol of Christianity. And Jesus was crucified you know, on a cross. And so the cross was chosen as the symbol for Christianity. It's a symbol. The suffering. And we have suffered so much in all these past years that we no longer can believe in a laughing Jesus. 
And he was a tough man, too, you know. He took a whip when necessary. He was not a namby-pamby. But, you know, today, the suffering Jesus is, is what is now familiar to us. Does it be, did we do this because it makes him like us? We're suffering, you know. You know. We understand suffering. We understand the language of sadness. Life we don't understand. This bubbling, tremendous spring of life. The laughter. The dancingness of it. Huh? And you know, a cross has two lines. You know, there's simple lines, you know. One is horizontal to the earth, and the other is vertical to the earth. You know, and then they meet at a point. Now, the horizontal line depicts time. Hmm? The past, present, and future. ABC, moving backwards and forwards and forwards and backwards. Hmm? Society lives in a line. Where's it going? The vertical line, I'll you can answer some of these questions yourself, can't you? Vertical line, you know, is timelessness, eternity. It's now. It's always present. No matter where you move on this line, this line is always present. Man lives on this line. He thinks on this line. Actually, man has no past, no future. This solitary man. Hmm? It just moves higher and higher and deeper and deeper. Not forward and backward. Now, Jesus was crucified on the cross, and so time and eternity met. Jesus dies is now. Now. If the ego, whatever your name is, huh, you die now, there is an immediate rebirth. Time disappears and there is the eternal. I mean, you're, going, you're certainly not going to be cast out into space somewhere and lost, you know. Huh? So this cross of Christianity is a symbol of time and eternity meeting. The point of death is the point of birth. When you disappear from the time world, you are immediately in eternity. Now, where do these lines meet? Hmm? Where do these lines meet? Now! Every moment, now! You are always facing eternity. Why don't you look at it? Hmm? Now! So the cross, then, is not only uh, a symbol for death, 
and for sadness and for suffering. It's a symbol of life. But it's a symbol of life everlasting, the eternal life, the life of freedom. Hmm? And it's, it's laughter, and it's singing, and it's dancing. It's a happy spring day. Not a dark, gloomy day, huh? Why do people always just choose one side of it, one aspect? Hmm? Let this thing bubble up in you, you know. You know, maybe when Jesus was alive, people weren't comfortable around him. He must have had a tremendous amount of power, huh? Yeah. But, you know, when he's dead, then we can arrange things, everything to suit us. And we did, huh? According to our own image, is what he was. But, you know, you can paint his picture according to your state. I mean, and after all, in Africa, he's black. Why not? You know, that's their state. And if Korea is getting, you know, what are they... Who is telling me about this tremendous church in, in, in uh, Egypt? In, in Korea. 200,000 members? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I wonder how they're going to paint him. Huh? You know, you can think of him any way you want him to be. Huh? And in so doing, he has become nothing but your representative. He represents your ego. He represents your psyche, huh? And that's the cart before the horse. You are supposed to be his representative. And you can do that if you know the solitary. You are the representative of light. Hmm? Out of which you came and into which you will return. Why are you not representing it? You could at least practice that, couldn't you? If they ask you, what is the sign of the Father? Huh? And they will ask. Huh? They'll ask you all kinds of things. You've been going there for a while. Have you become enlightened? Have you become transformed? What is the sign? Give us a sign. Hmm? Have you come to know the Father? Have you come to know this kingdom? Have you entered the kingdom? Give us a sign. Give me a sign. Huh? Sign. They want signs. They won't look directly themselves. They want a sign. <laughs> signs, huh? Let us see the signs. Well, what is the sign of the Father? And Jesus says, Say to them, it is a movement and a rest. So great. It's just so tremendous to say something like that. Huh? What does he mean? A sign of the Father is a movement and a rest. Well, you know, I can talk about it. I'm going to tell you anything. There, there is a movement of energy. There is a movement of mind. So we have all the contradictions and all the paradoxes, which is in, all in time. Hmm? All takes place in time. And then there is the timeless. One is a movement, and one is a rest, even though it is still also very dynamic energy. But there is this awareness. It is a choiceless, doesn't make choices, a choiceless awareness. It doesn't renounce, it doesn't reject, 
It doesn't judge and it doesn't accept. It just is. So we called it a rest. Huh? The two aspects, time and eternity, now, this moment, now, existing, huh? And then you have now the sign of the Father, the sign of the ultimate. You know, it is something that you could well ponder over for a long, long time, however long it takes you, in time. This movement, when he says, say to them, it is a movement and a rest. It is a movement and a rest. At the same time, same moment, it is a movement and a rest. And now, uh, may the peace and the power that passeth all understanding hold us and keep us in the love of the Christed consciousness while we are seemingly separate one from another. And I thank you very much. If you find Lola's talks valuable, more will be posted in weeks to come.